Getting Things Done, Life Without a GUI by Jared Bernard, October 9th, 2009 at the Utah Open Source Conference. This recording was a little rough. I cleaned it up the best I could. Let me know if uh, it was worth listening to. I might be able to come up with another one for your enjoyment. Uh, let me know. This is Kuvmo, kuvmo at gmail.com, kuvmo at identica. All right. Enjoy. Thank you. Bye. So my name is Jared Bernard. This is my first time presenting, so I'm a little nervous. And uh, I'm a little nervous too because uh, just recently I had some hardware problems. So I totally had to rebuild this presentation and the applications I was showing. So things might be a little rough, and so that's a little disclaimer. Um, <laughs> one thing being the tech team so small. I'm sorry for the guys in the back with the presentation. Um, but any of the slides will be available later on the website or something like that. I can't remember what it said. So yeah. anyway, so you can get these a little later. Um, I'll just introduce myself a little bit and what I do. I've been using Linux for about eight years now, 2001. Um, and I'm just a desktop user. I'm not a developer at all. I'm not a sysfed man or anything like that. I just do stuff and want people to do every day on the computer. And, um, but I fell in love with the command line and with SSH. Um, I had this one job where um, I kind of automated a few things, and the job got done a little quicker, and I had some extra time, and I was like, hey, I want to check my uh, personal email. I wonder if there's a way I can do that at home with an email client, and uh, that led to uh, Mutt and Alpine, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. It led to see what else could I do through SSH and on the command line remotely. And uh, so this kind of um, developed into this great passion for the command line. And um, so... Hopefully I get something out of this presentation. I'm actually surprised more than two people showed up, so uh, for this. Uh, another disclaimer is that uh, I'm going to be accessing the frame buffer a little bit, and for some reason the frame buffer won't translate over to the projector here, so that's why I kind of have my laptop turned around. I'll just pack up, hold up until I see it does work, and um, we'll have to go from there. So I have to excuse me for that as well. Um, so I'll begin here. Let me. Walk around here and I have some rough notes. Sorry, excuse me for turning my back on you a few times, but uh, I feel like this is kind of the best setup here. So, why use the command line? And there's a few reasons why we want to use the command line. And when we're talking today, we're going to be talking about using the command line at your desktop environment. You know, get rid of that GUI, get rid of KDE, GNOME, get rid of even uh, Flexbox. That's too bloated, right? We just want to use the command line. And um, some reasons listed up there is ping is definitely faster. And sometimes going through uh, menu systems that are several layers deep. Um, commands are usually standard. Some of these Unix commands have been around, what, it's 40 years of Unix, right? For a long time. And, uh, and they've stayed pretty much the same. Where GUIs have changed quite a bit over time. And so it's, it's, uh, that's kind of nice. You can also automate uh, or script a lot of commands. And it uses a lot less memory. Uh, one of the themes here is portability. I have a Pentium 1 133 running at home with Debian Lenny running, and everything I'm showing you here today, I wasn't going to bring that, but I wasn't sure how it would work. Um, uh, it's kind of a heavy beast. But everything I'm going to show you today runs on that Pentium 1 133 layer. And uh, it's, it's really kind of uh, uh, very resourceful. It's also more powerful, and plus it's geeky, right? Being on the command lines. Uh, Good geek show, right? Um, sorry, good. 
So uh, I'm going to kind of go through these slides. I've about, I don't know, I think I timed where it's about a minute a slide. I think I'm already behind. So, um, but I want to talk about desktop users. This is what we're going to be covering. It's what desktop users do and, and the, the tools that they use to get things done. So I made a list here. I'm not going to read them directly, but a few things like word processing. There's window managers to kind of multitask a little bit. Presentations, email, browse the web, social networking, calendaring, to-do list, watching movies. How do you do that on the command line? Um, videos, uh, photo editing, file management, playing games, things like that. These are all types of things desktop users do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I'll, I can't guarantee I'll get through all of these, but I'll try and hit the most important ones that I felt were most important. And uh, hopefully share you with some applications. I do have a website that has a lot of this information on there. And um, it actually compares um, the GUI application with the command line application in, for functionality to get the same thing done. So those are some things that we'll be covering today. Um, so why do we want to live without a GUI? Why do we want to do these things? Hopefully I'll answer those questions in this presentation. Uh, things that we will not be covering is server administration. Like I said, I'm not a sysadmin. I don't know really how those things work half the time. And most of those things are done on the command line anyways. Um, and I'm not, we won't cover any development stuff. So this is just basic desktop user things, okay? All right, well, let's talk about window managers. How do you open up multiple windows or multiple applications at the same time in the command line? The two uh, most common, I think, tool that most people use is something called Screen. Um, it's been around Linux or Unix for a while. Screen's been around a long time, and it's a great, it's a great, great tool. Um, Unfortunately, I can start it up, but it's not too impressive to show. Um, and I really want to cover DVTM, uh, which I think is a great tool. That I think I have it set up here. I do. Basically, you can break up the terminal into little sections. And one thing that screen doesn't have, there's a little add-on script I think you have, is uh, vertical dividing. It can, it can divide the screen up horizontally, but vertically you can't. Uh, I think there is a script out there that someone has. You kind of have to hack it or uh, patch it or something like that to get that going. But this is very versatile. You can actually, um, if you use any type of tiling environment, um, such as like rat poison or something like that, if you're familiar with that, um, this is very similar. You can actually uh, you can move around these tiles in different ways. You can format. You can maximize windows. Uh, let me see. Then you can bring things back if you want. And so that's really kind of versatile. You can open up as many windows as you want. Um, you have screen space available to do. So that's kind of uh, the window manager, my preference that I kind of use. I guess window manager in quotations there. It's not technically a window manager, but it has maybe some other things that you're used to. But it's a DVTN. And it's in the it's in the uh, Debian repository. It's like I'm sure it's it's pretty common. So uh, you can install it on most distributions. Uh, kind of moving along. Sorry, I'm moving along here, but I have a, a lot to talk about. Let's talk about uh, word processing and how you manage uh, certain document files in various type of formats that are out there, right? Especially what OpenOffice or uh, not OpenOffice, but Microsoft just came out Word 2007, I guess, two years ago. It's a completely different format. Will be, I guess it's print OOXML, the, the docx format, right? And how do you deal with those types of things? How do you deal with the doc files? 
Mr. Wellens, who will talk a little bit about that. How do you, if someone sends you uh, a docx file, how do you edit it and then send it back to them in an editable format so that they can they can view it and change it and things like that? So we'll talk a little bit about that. Real quick, and that'll probably be the bulk of the time, and then we'll cover a few other things really quickly. Um, this kind of describes the difference between a, a word processor and a text editor. Uh, I won't cover it just for lack of time. Um, but there are some word processing tools that are out there. Um, the first one I want to bring up is called Word Grinder. Uh, it's really nice. It's nice for just writing. Um, if you're writing uh, some type of report or documentation, it's great. It can save as a PDF or as uh, XML. You can export it to those different types of formats. Uh, but it's not really good if you need to do some really fancy fonts, uh, particularly layouts or even inserting pictures or things like that. Sometimes these modern word processors do. But it's a, it's a great tool. Otherwise, you can go old school where you have a little bit more flexibility in fonts. And uh, we'll get into the DOS emulator, Todd DOS, the new. And you can actually run Word, uh, Microsoft Word 5.5. That's available for free. Or if you have the old Novell, Word Perfect for DOS, you can run it in there if you like uh, your bit nostalgic. Um, but what I would recommend if you're creating fresh documents is using latex. Has anyone here used latex before? Any extended capacity? Great, because I'm not that good at it. But, uh, I can show you some, some examples of it, just a, a very basic uh, thing. Basically, it uses a markup language. Most word processors do, whether it's hidden or not hidden. Um, and you can do some very powerful things uh, with, with latex. And uh, let me see if I can actually find it. Let's see if it actually got transferred over here. And, Alright, this is kind of what a, uh, an example of a label. Sorry, I can't type the title at the same time. So you see the you see the backslash, it's just it's very basic. This is like a simple, simple document. Um, when you create it and um, so you can kind of see some of the, the tags that are there that lay, lay it out. I'll kind of show you what it looks like when you convert it to a PDF. But like I said, my, my example isn't very great. I probably should have come up with another one. But um, very, very powerful. You can use uh, mathematical formulas in there. Like I said, you can insert pictures, set columns, particular font types. They're just crystal clear and wonderful when you, when you, uh, when you use it. It's really a powerful tool here. So let me see. I actually haven't even compiled this yet. Yeah, I can. It's 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 so powerful. You can be converted to so many different formats and things like that. PDF. I mean, you just you can create some really really beautiful um, PDFs. There, that's a convert. There's one or two. That's one reason the print is so small. I couldn't download the big lit to emulate the font thing. So, um, because I'm, I'm having network issues too. But anyway, you basically compile it. There's, there's a, uh, a latex to PDF script that can be run and you can create these beautiful PDFs. And 
this is beautiful. If you Google latex, there's millions of examples out there. And uh, I apologize for not uh, having them all, but uh, I wanted to get some more of the demands in different uh, formats as well. Um, but uh, that's latex. Look into it. Uh, there's, let's see here, I think I have a slide that shows it. Yeah, there's some latex tools that you can use on the command line if you're a Zen, a Zen or an Emacs guy. Uh, I prefer Vim. Vim uh, Latex Suite is awesome. Um, you really have some handy tools to help create these beautiful latex documents. And like I said, right now you just have to download this pretty nice document. Um, and then Octet is for Emacs. Um, if you're used to that, to help create these latex documents. So let's talk about managing various document formats. All right. There's there's a few. Let's talk first about kind of viewing documents. So if someone sends you a document, a uh, tool that's been out there for a long time, AntiWord, which uh, basically can display uh, documents, but with uh, OOXML that, that came out recently, it, it doesn't do those. So it views the traditional doc files, what, that's Word 97 to 73 or something like that, to uh, display. And I can show you an example of that. I think I have a, a doc file. If you've never seen AntiWord, it's, it's uh, So as you can see, you can at least view a doc file in text format. Um, I can show you what that. I'm just going to pull this up in here as well. And you can just kind of see the difference. Just comparison. The formatting isn't always great, especially if there's some heavy formatting and some tables and things like that. Um, but uh, it seems to serve the purpose for at least viewing. Well done. Just making an observation. That, that just outputting it as, as flat text. You could type that to another application and create documents. You could, yeah. So you can grip it, you can use glass, you can use, yeah, all sorts of things, which is really kind of nice. Um, so this is what it looks like in GUI and OpenOffice. Like that to that. Compare it to. As you can see, there's some formatting issues and things like that, but at least you can read the text. And uh, another thing that, that's really great, um, if you have PDF documents, you can use the frame buffer. And we're going to be getting this frame buffer. I, I don't want to get too into depth actually what the frame buffer is and, and everything else. Uh, that's not the scope of this, this presentation. But um, FBI is a frame buffer image viewer. And um, you can also view PDFs as well as uh, JPEGs and other type of image formats. Um, and like I said, the frame buffer really doesn't work on this screen. I could pull up a PDF if you want in the frame buffer and kind of hold up a monitor, I guess, is kind of what I'm going to be doing. I guess um, you guys want to see what a PDF looks like. Um, well, actually, I'll forego that because actually we're kind of looking at your time here. But um, because I'm going to be looking at some images that I'll bring up. Um, but the biggest thing, if you're going to be managing um, different document formats, you need to be looking at uh, converters. 
And there's a great converter out there. Um, Happy Word is great. It'll convert on the command line. Um, any, any conversion to Abbey Word, the document uh, word processor, can convert to and from. Um, and then there's a few uh, scripts out there. There's like docx detect, pdf detects, and things like that if you need those. But the one I really want to talk about is unocom, um, I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's U-N-O-P-O-N-D. And basically it, it, it grabs the converting capabilities of OpenOffice. So any type of document that could be converted through OpenOffice or opened in OpenOffice or saved as an OpenOffice is applicable to this application. And I'll show you, and I'll run through a few of these things to show you how this, how this works. Um, so I have a few documents in here. So I have a, an ODT document, which is the open uh, document format. I have a docx, avid, and a spreadsheet there. Uh, and, uh, and then I just have a text document, which I'll show you. You can actually create documents using um, the doc book format to help create these, these beautiful doc files if you want. Um, and I'll kind of show you some of those things. So first I want to show you this resume. I downloaded this resume. It's not my resume. And just kind of show you what that looks like and, and how we, we end up creating a doc file that someone else can view and edit. Okay? By you creating this original text file document. Um, so first let's look at this example and see kind of what it looks like. Um, and like I said, some of the, the, uh, the markup there is, is part of the doc book format. Um, Google it and just look at it. It's really not that tough. Um, but this is kind of a text document that was created just in, in Vim. And uh, you can see some of those in the markup. And I'm going to show you what this will end up becoming and look like. And that's just a little. So, uh, let's get out of here. And sorry, i got to look at my notes here. The first thing is you need to start. Starts the engine by with the, the listing option. And um, oh, the first thing that we need to do is since it's written in um, in the doc book format, we're going to use ASCII doc to convert it to an HTML file. And then we'll see what that looks like. Okay? So ASCII doc is available in most distributions. And so this will this will generate. Yes. Yeah, see, I, I'm not clear on that either, on, on what the difference is between it. Is that an ASCII, ASCII the book markup? That makes that actually makes more sense, yeah. So, so that's that's probably right. So now we should have you can see an HTML document there. So let's see how that looks. I'll pull up uh, here in the browser, I'll pull up link. See kind of what it looks like there in the format, and then I'll bring up a GUI, GUI browser here.
And that's what it looks like as an HTML. All right, so now we are going to, uh, let's see here, we'll convert it into a doc file. HTML into the doc file. This just takes a second, it should run. And so now you see that there's a doc file there, you can use it running anti-word. Which doesn't make too much sense since it was already a text file. And you can look at it like that. Otherwise, while here I'll open it up and make an office. So that's kind of how to play with, uh, and like I said, this works with any any type of, of, of documentation that OpenOffice can handle, including spreadsheets and PowerPoint presentations. Now, when we get to spreadsheets and PowerPoint presentations, uh, formatting does break down quite a bit in terms of conversions and converting down to text. Uh, and, and putting it back into that format is a little tougher. Um, but in word processing, it's, it's pretty pretty acceptable and pretty reasonable and you can create some pretty good results from using this application. Um, so, let's see here. And for time's sake, I'm gonna skip, but, so just converting this back and forth, um, we bring up these various so this kind of gives a basic layout of, of how you can kind of manage that by creating an original document, I guess in that ASCII doc format. Um, there's a website uh, that I pulled this from, which I actually have a handout here, which if anyone's interested, um, which documents how to create those types of documents. And you can use the ASCII doc to convert it to an HTML, and then from there you can convert it as a PDF. That's one thing I didn't do, but so you kind of get the same results. I just wanted to redone it here. Um, and so that's kind of a way to move it back and forth. You can actually, you can convert, I'll show you how to convert the doc X. It's kind of the same thing. I do have a doc X file in here. Let me get to the top So I have that midterm doc one, that second document over there. <coughs> I'm just going to convert it to a doc because that's easier to work with. And then just run, it takes a second or two to run here. And so now you have that agreeable doc file that you can work with that you're kind of already used and things like that. So So, kind of nice tools, uh, and the nice thing about being in, in the command line is you can create scripts to kind of automate these things if you're kind of doing the same same uh, operation over and over again. Um, you can kind of automate a lot of this conversion back and forth and 
of the infections. Um, so that's that application. That's uh, spreadsheets. Is another thing. The wheel uh, is now numeric, uh, so there's no limit to now keeping in mind, which is uh, in my office right there. But SP has been around for quite a while. I can show you kind of what, what that looks like. You're creating raw spreadsheets. That looks like spreadsheets again. But what you can what you can do is um, I'm just going to have the time for it. But you can take an XML, uh, not an XML file, but an Excel spreadsheet file, convert it to a common separated value file, and then import it into CS and play with it. Now you do lose some formatting, like I said. Um, so you lose some of the formulas that are there, but you do have the results of the formula, so at least you can read it and have really in-depth reading of the formula. So that is a bit problematic when you're dealing with spreadsheets and things like that. So, and this uh, CS has a great tutorial here. Um, if you just hit uh, question mark, it goes through and kind of has really great documentation to help you with how to do it. It's a great tool. I've used it actually quite a bit to create some invoices and things. Um, so I'm kind of going fast here. That's basically the process I discussed about spreadsheets. Now presentations. There seems to be a lot more applications there to create presentations. The program I'm using here, and like I said, sorry about the font, uh, um, is called TPP. And basically it's just a text file that you create that displays this. Uh, you can do a lot of fancy things. You can do some animations too, which I was going to add, but with some of my hardware issues, I didn't have time to, uh, to actually get to that. And you can use Figlet, if you're familiar with Figlet on the sound line, which you can cool, do some cool ASCII artish type uh, big fonts and things like that that you can do as well. Um, and some of the animations are pretty clever and pretty, pretty neat. And um, anyway, so that's what I use is TPP. That's what this is. It is an NCurses program. Um, it uses NCurses to, to display the application. But um, you can use LaTeX to create beautiful PDF slides. Um, and there's an application out there called Beamer, which uses LaTeX and uh, compiles LaTeX to create these beautiful things. It's a little easier than um, using just a, a raw <coughs> text editor or something to create. So those are some applications to create a uh, presentation. Again, um, you can use that, uh, you know, cons or whatever it's called, sorry, I'm a little bad, but uh, to convert PowerPoint presentations around to different formats uh, you want. Um, the best thing probably if you want to view a PowerPoint presentation is to convert it over to a PDF and then view it in a second buffer, which I'll, I'll show you how to do that a little bit later. That's presentations, email. I want to show you some email. So that's kind of the office application suites that we cover, and that's what a lot of people use for the desktop application. But for email, kind of the two big ones is Mutt's. A lot of the geeks really like Mutt's. I'm not a big Mutt guy. I, uh, I prefer Alpine, which is the open source version or the, the free version of Pine, which was developed by the University of Washington. And um, it, it's a great application. I don't have internet here after access here, so I don't know. Of that working, so I'm not sure how well it works. The thing I like about Alpine is that it has an S STMP uh, server built into it, or might have to have that application separately to configure that. That's just a pain to set up, at least if you're kind of just an average Joe user like I am. Um, 
usually this is kind of search for my IMAP server. So um, but it's, a, it's a great application. There is kind of a quick and dirty way to use MUT to at least view your files. Um, but like I said, I don't have internet connection, so I can't really show that to you. I'm sure you guys could, could go through all that. But, um, anyway, this is Alpine. It's, it's very uh, menu-oriented. There's a bunch of different applications to set up. And fairly recent, I think, new versions. But, um, great tools you can configure, attachments to be viewed by all the applications that we talked about. So if you receive a doc file, you can have anti-word immediately open up that doc file. You can write scripts that you can point that to to automatically convert docx files if you want. You can uh, instigate the frame buffer imager to, to view pictures that come to things like that. And MUT is just as adaptable as well. It's, it's a great application. Um, the configuration of these applications really isn't part of this course. I just want to introduce you to the different applications that are out there for that. Um, and also, I wanted to mention we have Gmail, eLinks, the web browser eLinks, uh, works great for web. Based uh, Gmail. If you want to use that, that's great. What was that? E-Links. E With the web browsers, it kind of gets a little confusing because all the links kind of <laughs> go ahead and do that. Uh, and this is the internet browser. So there's links. Kind of the old school one is uh, links as in the animal, L-Y-N-X. And then there's links, which I prefer, L-I-N-K-S, which is chains. And uh, I like E-Links, which is built off and there's several others out there. There's, there's uh, I think Emacs has one, WPC or something like that. And, um, but like I said, I, I stick with links pretty good. Um, if you need to see um, a web page of graphics, and like I said, I can't pull this up now. I was going to pull up Google Imager. Um, you use links too with the G option. And you can view JPEGs and, and graphics uh, using the frame buffer. And uh, I wish I could pull up the website. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't be able to see it on this slide here anyway. Now, watching YouTube videos, I'll show you how to do that. There's, there's an application um, called YouTube Downloader. And it's just YouTube-DL for downloader. And basically, all you need to do to, down, to get an application is you need to Get the URL of the application. You can use links to go and just kind of search the descriptions. They're going to fall in text mode and flash doesn't work. Uh, and, as, and you can, as long as you get the URL, if you're in links, you just hit the equal sign and that brings up the URL of that page. And then you basically type in the command YouTube DL, the URL, and it will download that flash video file. Now I've already done that. I'm looking at the other page. Okay. And what happens is you cannot see that that maroon or that purplish one over there. It, it formats a you know this this weird file name. I don't know what it calls it or anything like that. But you can see the FLG file that's there that automatically downloads onto your system. And uh, so once, once you have that uh, Flash file, um, you can play it in a media player, such as mPlayer. I'm going to show you how to do that. Again, that uses the frame buffer and the SDL libraries. And uh, that's not going to work on a projector. But I'll try and hold up my monitor here so you can kind of see how that works. Um, 
But I want to cover videos in general and also that there's three libraries that you can use to view videos on the command line. And uh, there's the A-List library, which basically is Axie, the Axie video. And then there's, I guess, I think it's called Taka library, T-A-T-A. -T -A. And that's kind of a colored ASCII. And I'll show you the, dis and I'll, I'll demonstrate each one of these. And then the one I like to use is the SVL library um, to do uh, videos. And uh, you can use VLC, you can use Empire, you can use Xvine. They, they all have command line options to be able to use these in the same library. So let's let's first watch this uh, YouTube video. Like I said, this is going to go blank here as I'm, I'm pulling out the virtual terminal to run these things in, uh, in the frame buffer. So I'll kind of hold up my laptop for those in the back uh, if you want to see it here. So first I'll play this... Uh, This is first the AA list library.
So here's the flash video, the YouTube video that I downloaded using YouTube Downloader. Anyway. And like I said, I have I have a Pentium 1 133 at home with 64 megabytes of RAM that can play these videos perfect without skipping. All using this DNA library. It's pretty awesome. The command line shot, it's basically M player, and it's dash V O, and that brings up the library. I don't know what the, the trigger is on that. And then I type in the library. So if it's the AA, I just type in the AA. If it's SDL, you just type in SDL and then the file. And that's that's pretty much it. So it's pretty straightforward. Um, and like I said, all this is scriptable and everything else. So um, let me get back to So that's how you watch movies uh, in the command line. Pretty cool. I thought that was, that was pretty awesome. Um, and like I said, this will work for almost almost anything. Let's look about talking about photos. Uh, first, viewing photos is the FBI, the uh, frame buffer image viewer. Um, you can also view PDFs with this as well. Um, and you can also edit images. I don't know how extensively, I'm not really familiar with Chrome, but Image Magic uh, is pretty powerful. You can do some really cool things. And they have several different options. Uh, if you look up the documentation for that, it's really amazing what you can do uh, with the scripting language using that to uh, edit documents. But let's look up FBI and see what photos look like. And uh, again, I'm going to have to go back into the frame buffer here. So. The frame buffer, if no one knows, that, uh, most distributions uh, initiated uh, by default in the distribution. A few of them blacklist it, and so you have to comment it out. But if you basically Google it in your distribution and frame buffer, it'll show you how to activate it. Usually, you have to go into um, Grub and edit the kernel line, and uh, I think it's VGA equals whatever resolution you want. Is usually how you get into the frame buffer to do some of these things. Um, let's see. So then with the FBI, I'm going to look at some images here. So this is the frame buffer images. So the images, pretty crystal clear. I mean, this is a 1024 by 768 resolution, and you can actually you can zoom out, you can zoom in. Um, I opened up everything in this directory, so it just goes through everything that was in that directory. I'm going to have pictures there. So there's not much more here. How about listening to music? Music is all we got to listen to music, right? So um, here are a few applications that play music. My favorite is Top and MLC. We'll play it. We've only got like a few minutes here. Um, I'll just show you how it works. You can create um, playlists and things like that. You guys hear ACDC going? Yeah. Anyway, that's how it goes. It's pretty cool. It's good for. Uh, Large music collections and things like that. So, uh, music players. There's there's a billion music players out there for the command line, uh, and you also have to have the right codec. 
music. Um, let's see, what else? Burning CDs and DVDs. CD Record has been around a long time. It's a great application. We've built um, a lot of front ends for it. One of my favorites there is My Bash Burn. Um, kind of uses curses and kind of a menu system so you don't have to remember all the switches and options and the commands for uh, the CD Record. Great, just kind of simplistic type of application. Um, bring it up if I had it installed. Like I said, maybe you have your. Now, gaming. Let's talk about gaming here and we'll kind of finish off on that because everyone likes playing games. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Okay, good. Um, so, games here. BSD games. I love BSD games. They're kind of been around for a while and they have a lot of these text and games. Uh, not video games, but text games. Um, they're in there. A few of them I listed there. They have Monopoly, Boggle, Hangman, you know, Snake, Tetris, things like that. So I can show you a few of those here. Um, a few other ones, NetHack. NetHack has been around for before I was born, probably. And um, the new chest, uh, MindMan, which is a Pac-Man clone, Moonlight games. I'll show you a few of those. And then I'll show you how to play Quake, um, which is kind of a more action game. So let me show you some of the BSD games. Uh, like this is Hangman. Just type Hangman once you install. And there it is, you get the letters. There's several ASCII ways to uh, ASCII where you kind of have that it's very hard to look at. There's also a way to do it in SDL using SDL library, similar to the video stuff. But um, I prefer using a DOS emulator um, just because the, the game is built for DOS, basically. And there's a lot of cool DOS games that are out there. Most of them are free. You can find them on the internet to be able to play with them. Um, so um, I'll kind of show you how to do that. Again, we have to use the SDL library, so um, this is going to go away to be able to show that. But the DOS layer that I use is Dossimu, um, and it runs free DOS, and um, it's just really cool. If you want to put, if you want to pull it up in the uh, SDL library, you use the, uh, the, the the dash capital S trigger pull up the SDL library. So that's that's what I'll be doing. And uh, so, I'm just going to um, just pull it up to show you the input and I can play Quake.
Here's Quick playing. He looks at Adam up on the end of the So like I said, he made those old DOS games that are fun to play. You can play in this DOS simulator. Whatever else, it's pretty cool. And you can kill all the aliens you want. Similar to the old Norton Commander, remember back in the DOS, the early winter days, you know, we have two panels on each side. It's great, but I guess I can blow it up here. Yeah, file management, um, let's see here. A bunch of social networking things. You can blog. Charm, I hear, is really good. I've never used it. I don't do too much blogging. I do have a blog, but. If you look at it, I haven't updated it in a minute. Twitter and Identica are there. There's several, several scripts out there. You can actually write your own. There's tutorials on there using curl on how to write your own script for these APIs and um, various social networking applications. Um, if you're into Last.fm and the music, Shell.fm is a great program if you have a Last.fm account. Um, you can even use Facebook and update your uh, status on Facebook using that with the FB. And so you can do that from Cameron as well. And you can view other people's updates on Facebook as well. I know that sounds a big hot thing right now. Uh, and Second Life, even. I've never played Second Life, but you can use the, the chat clients in that to be able to communicate with Second Life on the command line. So all the social, social networking stuff are covered. And actually, I've used a lot of the GUI clients for uh, Twitter and for uh, Identica. And uh, there are always been problems, and I really didn't like them. And I'm just on the command line now. I just use these command clients. And it's so easy to query the text, or if I'm looking for a certain person, a friend, or a comment, and you just grip it, and it's just so nice to be able to search. Because this information just needs to be pumped at you in the social networking site. Um, those are a few options there. For Google, for calendar and scheduling, um, GCalCle is great. I use it all the time. It was a Google Summer of Code project. And it's just amazing. And uh, you, you can pull up multiple calendars. My wife has a calendar. I have one. My wife created one for my kids. We put all their, their schedule. And I can do all of those. And I can filter them. And I can pull up any date I want. And I can, I can uh, and you can use it in like a matrix where it actually draws it out in, with boxes and squares. Or otherwise, you can just do a list. There's a script for it if you want to put it in Conky so you have your calendar. Appointments listed there for Conky for the next few days, things like that. If you're, if you're into that and stuff like that, there's also CalCurse, which is kind of a, a curses type of calendar system, which is more traditional. Um, I think I have that. Okay. So it looks like that. You can navigate the calendar, including this one. Also, I don't have anything in there. Uh, things like that. It seems to be really interesting. 
Say a few other things. To do list, task manager, the old school text file, the to do script, dash script is, is great. Uh, ICOG, I've used for a long time. It's written in Python and has some great search options and capabilities and categorizing and uh, prioritizing certain things and just searching by, by categories and priorities and things like that. It's really powerful. And task order, I've actually been in contact with the developer of TaskWarrior. I'm a really good guy. He saw this project on my website and uh, I'm in contact with him. And, um, I haven't been able to meet him yet, but um, he's written Python as well. Things we put into applications. Um, there's billions of things like that out there. Um, search for it All right, finances, counting. There's Ledger and Clio. I think that's the way to pronounce it. Clio, Grandline, Accounting, ACCP. Um, and I've used Ledger. Ledger is great um, to query. I've, I've been able to use it to query my GNU cache files. So if you use GNU cache at all, you can read that from the compressed files and then query it through the GNU list. It's really a powerful thing. To actually make entries, um, it's a little tougher, um, but I, I use it for query. And then you can use online, you can even do online banking. You can transfer and pull down um, your banking files. Um, to check different stuff with uh, Mbank Fleet and different other stuff. All right, there's a book if you're looking for address books, um, which is really nice. I actually just copied this script. It's a grid script that searches a, a limiter of three pound signs, and that's the way I divide up my contacts. So I'll kind of I'll show you that. But I think that's pretty cool here. So basically, what I have is just a basic text file. Called um, addresses, so I can't talk the entire. Oops, in there for a second. Okay, so basically it's a text file. Don't copy that. I use phone numbers. They don't know I'm showing you. And see, everything's delimited by those three pound signs. And so now it's just really easy. You have a, a grip. Uh, I'll show. I'll just show the grip script. There it is, one line of off. Oh, this is off, yeah. And uh, it's been a long time since I looked at this. And basically, all it does is it looks for that delimiter of the three pound sign. So when I want to look, look up an address, so uh, I just do contact, game. And it pulls up anything game, game in that file. So I can, I can search by phone, I can search by email. In, uh, oops, let me look for Bernard. What's my last name? So everyone with the last name Bernard automatically. It's so nice to just copy and paste from an email, use a text file, or uh, copy and paste from a website or whatever. Leads contacts. So that's really useful. All right. Yeah, I think I got one more slide. No, yeah, no taking all right. Some other things you can do: genealogy, math, astronomy. Uh, you can use your webcam, password keepers, voice over IP, uh, your IRC, scanning, vector drawing. All these things can be done on the command line. All right, questions? Anyone? It's amazing the address Which one? The, oh, the one I showed you with the script? Yeah. Uh, it's 
really just self-created thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just grab yeah. stuff. No, I think it's actually on my website. I think if not, I can put it on there. What is your website? Um, um, I do have some forms to go over some printouts, a few other things that I cover if you're interested in websites. Where to get Word 5.5 .5 if you want to go back and get that and available for free from Microsoft. Um, any other applications, any other questions? Real quick one on Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.